You're listening to Don't Waste Water. I was a product manager for polypropylene and polyethylene. That was my first job. I definitely left my first day understanding that I didn't know anything. <laughs> When did you start to get a feeling that you understood something? That didn't take that long. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. If you think about that, we might gonna need six times more of the lithium what we're gonna produce today in the next six to ten years. There needs to be some new technologies, some new processes. And looking then at the direct lithium extraction, this is mainly a process which can overcome these bottlenecks because evaporation processes, but hard work mining, they all have their downsides. Diodlithium extraction has a beautiness that it can be a byproduct to another process. Compared to traditional processes to produce lithium, you are up to 90% less CO2 emitting. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Andres Müller as my guest. We have seen that with our installations, exchanging other solutions, you can increase the longevity of that kind of installations by a couple of years. Sometimes you actually, you're going to take it from six months only to five years or even 10 years. And I think this adds value, not only to the company, which is extracting or producing the lithium, but it also adds value to the people because we have a much more sustainable solution. Andreas is the CEO of GF. He was a maniac. He was passionate about innovation. GF was always about innovations. Now you could actually even say, you know, if you're going to look at the market cap today, we are a pretty old unicorn, right? <laughs> if you think about that one. And I think this kind of DNA is still within our organization. And I think this curiosity about new technologies, about innovations, you know, that is a very good hinge to collaborate with startup companies. GF is a sustainability and innovation leader aiming to provide superior customer value across three divisions, enabling the safe transport of liquids and gases, lightweight casting components, and high-precision manufacturing technologies. If you've listened to this season nine of the podcast, you've noticed how we've covered the lithium and water nexus topic from a wide variety of angles. We've had the helicopter view with Tony Strobe, the project developers input with Robert Mintak, Christopher Brown, Chris Moreno, and Andy Robinson, and the technology stories with Tig Egan, Devesh Sharma, Ben Sparrow, Chris Wires, and Jim Rieke. Spoiler alert, given the success of this season and the topics we covered, we will continue the exploration as one of the topics of the next ones, so stay tuned. I'm currently interviewing more fascinating companies, and as I'm recording this, I'm about to take off to Argentina, partially for that. Still, there's one aspect we had not covered so far, despite regular hints across all the episodes. Didn't you notice? What? Direct lithium extraction is a high-flow, high-stakes application. Evaporation ponds involve a lot of water as well. And when it comes to lithium refining, be it from hard rock or evaporation ponds, you've got a sizable bunch of waterish processes which require to convey fluids, water, and chemicals. As a process person, that's the boring part. I know it. I'm a process person. Trust me. I'm an expert on cold-blooded animals. Because what can a piping system do, right? Work smoothly and then it gets zero praises, it just exists and nobody cares, or not work, being blocked, leaking, becoming a hazard, and a net loss, and then everybody's aware and everybody's pissed. So I thought it might be worth looking into a piping system company's view on that lithium green field to discuss how they're into help, 
how, at what stage, and what they have to propose. Of course, I'm a little bit biased in that story as I am working for a piping system company. But there's more than just pipes, fittings, valves, sensors, engineering, prefabrication, and process automation in today's episode as I reached out to the CEO of GF to come discuss all of that on my microphone, which means not only GF piping systems, but also casting solutions and machining solutions, which offers an interesting glimpse into the new EV vertical. That's a wordy intro, sorry for that, so let me swiftly leave the floor to Andreas, just after reminding you that if you like what you hear, please share it with a friend, a colleague, your boss, your team, and if you're new here, well, hello there, chaps. Thank you, welcome, take a seat, consider subscribing, and I'll meet you on the other side. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Hi, Andreas, welcome to the show. Hello, Antoine. I'm super excited to have that conversation with you. I'm saying that quite often on the microphone because I'm super excited quite often to speak with people. But here, it's quite of a special constellation. You're the boss of the boss of my boss. So I have to make sure I don't say anything too weird. We're sitting together in Schaffhausen and I have that tradition to open every interview with a postcard. So what can you tell me about Schaffhausen, which I might ignore by now? It's just a beautiful city. And I think we also have the pleasure, you know, to have the biggest waterfalls of European. It's not in height, but it's in volume of water. So you can also say that we have the Niagara Falls here in Schaffhausen. <laughs> obviously, it's the Rhine Falls. And I think, you know, this makes this place so livable. And it's obviously also the birth city of GF. I counted before starting that interview, and it might be episode 181 of that podcast. All of these episodes have started with that sentence. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. And I think I never defined what GF Piping System is and what the GF part in GF Piping System is so maybe you can give me an elevator pitch to the company in general then your touch to it. GF is an industrial pioneer in Switzerland. Today, GF has three divisions. One of the divisions is piping systems. The other divisions are machining solutions, producing machine tools for all sorts of applications, milling, electronic discharging, laser texturing, and so on and so forth. And last but not least, we have casting solutions, a group which provides lightweight components to the car automotive industry, but also produces investment cars, things that are very special type of products. GF is an amazing company with great people, with a lot of potential, delivering and becoming better every day and delivering to its customers superior value. Talking of value, what's the size of the company? The GF is approximately 4 billion in terms of sales and we have 15,000 people and we are present in 40 countries with 80 production companies and overall 150 companies across the world. So you're leading GF for three years now? No four and a half years. I hope you, you don't hold that against me. <laughs> Absolutely, I will do. Wait a minute, what do you mean I got fired? But you were the company for 28 years. Exactly. Can you still remember your first day at GF? That would be a little bit too much ask. 28 years is quite a time. But I can tell you, you know, I definitely left my first day understanding that I didn't know anything. <laughs> and how did that evolve over 28 years? When did you start to get a feeling that you understood something? That didn't take that long. But obviously, you know, when you start as a youngster, a company, you know, first of all, you have a view only on the department you have been employed in and suddenly you're going to start to learn more about hey there is a company behind there is a corporation behind there are even other divisions behind and I think that is something you know which evolves over the time I think it didn't take me that long because I was always curious I wanted to learn you know what is this company for but also I may have to say you know my father-in-law was actually 45 years with this company so I did understand that GF has its headquarters in Schaffhausen which was obviously very important when I applied for this first job. By the way, I was a product manager for polypropylene and polyethylene. That was my first job. A 
cross your path, you had several positions. If you have to just take one story or one experience you had over these 28 years, which is the one you would pick? This is really hard because I have done so many things and I really enjoyed so many things. But I have to say, you know, one of the challenges I really had, you know, when I just was uh, freshly married and we had a son, I was asked whether I would actually embark to Australia and gonna support uh, building up and integrating an acquired company there. And I think, you know, that was really cool because I think it was back in these days, you know, first of all, the 24-hour journey, you know, to get to Australia. So you're really gonna leave behind what, what you have established here. So you have to socially newly embed yourself and integrate yourself. The task was really very challenging, but very interesting. It was a combination of finance, operations, logistics, customer service in the internal sales organization. So it was quite a big jump for me. You're offering me a very smooth transition because actually Australia right now, as we speak, is the biggest place for lithium worldwide, where a lot of lithium is mined. By the time you were in Australia, was it already a thing? It was not so much a thing back then. We have been in the north part, we have been in mines, we have supplying our sensor technologies, our, our ball valves. It was a good business, but it was not so much about lithium back then. When do you get interested in lithium? What's your driver? What's the, the starting point? When e-mobility came much more present to us as a corporation, I think, you know, everyone started to look into it, you know, how does this battery technology will evolve? And how can you actually make battery technology sustainable? And that an EV is sustainable, you obviously need sustainable battery technology. You obviously learn, you know, that lithium is one of the key ingredients. That was the moment when you start to look into it. And obviously also talking to my piping systems colleagues, we learned about these evaporation processes. We also learned about the refinery processes in hard work mining. And I think, you know, that always my attention because it is something which human beings need to convert themselves, you know, from fossil-based uh, propulsion systems to more sustainable propulsion systems. That was the moment when I really triggered and I'm always technically interested. So I also engaged with the Fraunhofer Institute. So we invited them when I was at Casting Solutions to give us presentations. So this is quite a few years ago. That was always uh, on my agenda, at least, you know, to be somehow informed. You mentioned all the workshops in the world, how GF is a big group. I guess you must be excited by many topics all year long. Is lithium just one of those or is it really one topic you particularly invested time to try to wrap your head around it and understand it? I think it is not the only one, obviously, but it is one of the few where we have as a corporation strong potential or great potential. You're absolutely right. With all our technologies, we are present in so many exciting industries. We are at the forefront when Apple is developing its new gadgets. At the same time, you know, we might gonna supply one of our milling machines or EDM machines to SpaceX. So we are part of this mission. And I think so this is really giving us a lot of excitement. And I think uh, sustainability overall is driving a lot of new business opportunities. Coming back to lithium extraction or direct lithium extraction, if you think about that, we might gonna need six times more of the lithium what we're gonna produce today in the next, let me say, six to 10 years, there needs to be some new technologies, some new processes to service or to supply the needs being required. And looking then at the direct lithium extraction, this is mainly a process which can overcome this bottlenecks because evaporation processes, but hard work mining, they all have their downsides. And this direct lithium extraction has a beautiness that it can be a byproduct to another process. I think mm -hmm. we have seen combinations of geothermal, but also other applications like producing other chemicals, taking the slurry or taking the brine and, and just going to extract another material next to another material already being extracted. That 
may gonna make this process going forward very attractive and very efficient. It is also giving us a huge advantage if compared to traditional technologies producing or processes to produce lithium. I think you are up to 90% less CO2 emitting. And I think this is also by itself already a reason to look into it. So I give it quite a lot of opportunities. And obviously with GF piping systems, we are perfectly placed and perfectly geared to support this industry developing their processes. If I get you right, there's mining, which might have been an opportunity. There's evaporation ponds, which we have supported as well. But the big focus is direct lithium extraction. How do you intend to support it? At GF, we are always good to look into a market segment, to dedicate resources for a special market segment, to learn the language of this industry, of this segment, and then ultimately support, which is also part of our vision with intelligent solutions. Having resources, having access to so many engineers, having knowledge about chemical processes, combining this into these new technologies can be supportive for this industrialization process of direct lithium extraction. And I think here GF can play a pivotal role. We also have prefabrications around the world centers. These centers can also support our customers, you know, to convert their ideas into skits, which can be then ultimately being used in the production process. So I think the expertise handling chemicals or even uh, ultra pure chemicals, sometimes you're going to need in the refinery process. A lithium being used in a battery needs to be super pure. In this mini series, I've been talking with companies like Veolia, who underlines how some of these players in the battery markets, for example, are smaller companies. So being able to get those projects financed is a lot more feasible when you have someone like Veolia providing the process design. When they're involved in a project, they also bring their credibility because they're well-established, large conglomerate with a broad history and with a track record of technology working. It makes me think that maybe GF as a player can have kind of a similar role if you have a process which requires to have water flowing all the time, 24-7, 365 days a year, and you say, look, we engage our reputation, we engage our engineers, fabrication, everything you listed, that may sound like a good asset for a junior company which is trying to develop a project and needs to secure some financing and to gain trust from the markets to invest the one, two, three billion dollars of capex you need to take a project off the ground. Does that make sense to you? It definitely makes sense. And in many aspects, these processes rely on a very reliable piping system. If you're going to convey assets, if you're going to convey media capital, chemicals, whatever sorts of fluids, I think you're going to rely that you have a leak-free installation. That's something we heard from Robert Mintak, the CEO of Standard Lithium. What's overlooked by analysts and commentators is it has to be a completely integrated process. You're doing it 24 hours a day. Every minute of every hour of the day at commercial scale, thousands of gallons per minute need to come into your facility and it needs to operate in a way that at two o'clock in the morning, an operator is going to make sure that the plant is running and that if there is an issue that it's addressable. Removing novelty from that as best you can and using industrial processes that you have confidence in, that's critical on the DLE side. The reputation of GF is that we can provide this leak-free installations with a broad knowledge and also being one of the pioneers when it comes to plastic piping systems. I think, you know, our name, our brand is recognized as one of the industrial leaders when it comes to piping systems. This definitely helps to support the credibility, but I think it is also very important really sourcing out of the experience we have done in so many other projects and going to combine this know-how and bring it to an industrial 
utilization of direct lithium, for example, being already in the pilot, but not only in the pilot, but then also coming ultimately, you know, to the first installed industrialized direct lithium extraction process. Yes, it adds credibility to the ones which are going to have to invest in such a production, because obviously you don't want to have this uh, production unit failing. And you also want to have a sustainable solution. And I think in many aspects, yes, you could go for stainless steel, but you can also think about it, you know, that you might have a much higher longevity of the piping system if you select and choose the right plastic piping systems. And the plastic materials, obviously, I don't have to tell you a secret, you know, is always to be chosen according to the chemicals you want to convey. Also, the design of a plastic piping system is of utmost importance to make it, let me say, last much longer. And we have seen that with our installations, exchanging other solutions, you can increase the longevity of that kind of installations by a couple of years. Sometimes you actually, you're going to take it from six months only to five years or even 10 years. And I think this adds value, not only to the company, which is extracting or producing the lithium, but it also adds value to the people because we have a much more sustainable solution. You mentioned experience in that field. Do you have some projects you can talk about? Yes, we have projects. And I think we are also having supplied, you know, to, for example, Falcon Energy. We are working together with a couple of companies being new in this field, some approximately five companies we are piloting currently. It makes a lot of fun and I think it is a business development where piping systems is really putting resources in now. Shameless plug, I'm actually that resource Jeff Piping System is putting in right now. So if you'd like to discuss your project and how we can support it, just reach out to me. Because we see going forward, there is a huge potential. There are numbers in the uh, universe that some 20 billion need to be invested in that kind of uh, production technologies over the next 10 years. The lithium production needs to be increased by five times. That is quite a lot if you consider how much is already installed. And hard work mining has its limits because of the transportation. You would only have to build the refineries next to the hard work mines. The evaporation process, of course, you can increase the efficiency of the current pumps today, you know, by having better installations. Indeed, as Teig Egan underlined, there's quite some potential left in those incumbent producers. These massive evaporation ponds that take about 18 months to yield lithium. They can be 15 square miles in footprint. And most importantly, they only recover about 30 to 40% of the available lithium that enters into the system. For us, there's a lot of inefficiency in all three of those metrics. We want something that is a lot smaller in footprint that doesn't you know, harm the natural environment. We want something that takes a lot shorter time than the 18 months. And we want something that can recover hopefully near 100 or at least over 90% of the lithium that enters the system. So you need to actually optimize this kind of sets, but can you endlessly, you know, going to build this evaporation process? I don't think so. So direct lithium extraction seems to be one of the most sustainable concepts to produce lithium, which also would then solve one of the topics that you keep going with this battery technology. This is the current most evident way, you know, that you propulse cars with lithium polymer cells or lithium battery-based energy sources. You mentioned a lot of times the sustainability word, so I'm going to come to that. It's a very important topic. But right before that, I have a devil's advocate question. Sorry for that one. You mentioned Vulcan. Vulcan was my guest in that series. Chris Moreno was sharing a lot of insights on that microphone. We covered as well Standard Lithium, which is looking into this direct lithium extraction, new companies like Energy X, Helios X. Where I'm heading with all of that is that you mentioned also five pilots with 
junior companies. Here's my David Advocate question. GF is a 222 years old company. Can I call you grandpa? No. How do you avoid having a cultural clash when you're working with a very junior company, a very agile startup company? No, this is a, is a very good question, Antoine. But since you are also one of the GF uh, employees, you have seen that we have uh, put a lot of emphasis on our culture development. And one of these culture elements is that we would like to have a very open mind. We have a value which we call learning is about having an open mind and what will you change. And we inspire our people that they're going to take this kind of opportunities, being curious and learn and going to collaborate and cooperate with startup companies. Is it always the best, you know, to embed a startup company in an organization? I don't think so, but that's not necessarily only a GF issue. I think it is more about that the people are inspired and motivated to take the opportunity and to develop something, own a project and engage with startup companies. And we want to have this kind of modern style or this openness within our organization. That's one of the reasons why we have put as one of the key pillars in our strategy 2025, the culture. We are actively working on this culture. 10,000 people underwent these experiments to experience our values. And this is actually something where we also foster teamwork on the one hand side, but also being open. And therefore we should be somehow a sound base for the startup companies. I just came, by the way, you know, back from Venture. Venture is a Swiss-based startup uh, accelerator, incubator. We have been discussing about 300 startup companies being on the list, you know, to be nominated. When we're going to engage with them, when I'm going to talk to these people, you know, I think we can talk the same language. You know, I talk about experience in a, in a business, you know, what makes a business successful and what makes a startup successful to be in a business. It's not a cultural glitch. You can really smoothly intertwine this kind of things. And yes, I want to have within GF a little bit of this startup. If you consider our founder, it sounds odd, right, that you still quote a founder, which is, by the way, turning 250 years this year, you know. <laughs> but he was a maniac. He was passionate about innovation. GF was always about innovations. Now, you could actually even say, you know, if you're going to look at the market cap today, we are a pretty old unicorn, right? <laughs> if you think about that one. And I think this kind of DNA is still within our organization. And I think this curiosity about new technologies, about innovations, you know, that is a very good hinge to collaborate with startup companies. And you may have seen, you know, all our three divisions have engaged with startup accelerators. You know, we look into that one. We want to be part of this community, but we also have to be careful that we're going to make this process digestible for both sides, right? I don't want to have the startup companies always being on stage just to print their best idea, you know, to go to find the investors. A customer-supplier relation for startup company is in many aspects the better solution, you know, to have a smooth and seamless integration because as you already mentioned, you know, to me in an earlier discussion, if you can secure volumes from a startup company when they are able to deliver a product, they get financing. Look, there's already a customer, a traditional company. We can sometimes provide resources much easier for them. We can enable them or we can give them access to institutions because we have it. We have laboratories. We can tell them, look, we co-host you. We are just currently going to do something like that in our casting solutions divisions in Germany. A very amazing concept uh, to produce special alloys such as Inconel in a super efficient way, which is only a fifth of the CO2 emission compared to the legacy technologies. And we have given them uh, in one of our factories the facility, the space where they can now actually install their pilot installations with obviously all our help. They can use our procurement department. I think this 
gives much more of a support. We are dynamic and young enough to do so. What you describe sounds like a symbiotic relationship. You explained how lithium production needs to be multiplied by six towards the end of the decade and by a multiple, depends who you believe, 15, 20, 30 by 2050, which is the typical growth rate of unicorns, which you mentioned. When I spoke on that microphone with Chris Wires, the CEO of Evolve, he mentioned how... Growth is limited by three things, really. Capital, obviously, you've got to be funded well enough. And the second aspect you've got to consider outside of capital and the attractiveness of the business to its end customers is really how quickly you can scale your manufacturing. Because if you can't supply product, then you can't make sales. And there I could see a fit because you mentioned 80 production sites worldwide for GF, right? So the infrastructure is existing. What GF doesn't do is GF doesn't have processes or doesn't have that end of the equation, but the startups do. So it sounds like the yin and the yang coming together. And maybe subjective on that. It's a fair judgment, you know, because what we also see very often, you know, when you have new technologies, if you can combine it then with traditional companies, which have a sound footprint across the world, you obviously can scale it much faster. That would be one of our jobs, you know, to really take the experience, which we have won, for example, in the projects in Germany, but also in, in, in the US, that we can actually use that kind of know-how and gonna bring it to other places. But even so, you know, when one of these companies want to build up their facilities across the world, GF is ready to fit and suit their demands across the world with our 17 fabrication centers and piping systems. I think we can really provide anywhere on this planet a standardized, high-level quality solutions. We can actually build the skits to their drawings, but we can also help them to engineer their skits as long as we understand their processes. This is really something, you know, where we can help to scale. You mentioned the link to GF piping system, which is pretty natural, I would say, in direct lithium extraction. How about casting solutions? Casting solutions is pretty involved in the EV revolution. What's the opportunity there? And is there a link towards that lithium wave? One of the link is obviously the propulsion concept, having an e-car. Today, the uh, most common battery technology is based on lithium and lithium ultimately you know this battery pack comes with some weight weight is something which you don't want to have when you have mobility particularly individual mobility take a body mass of 80 to 100 kilograms and you have a car of 2.5 tons the inefficiency is given by itself and therefore it is of utmost importance to make cars light and our casting solutions enable sustainable mobility by providing lightweight components into a car build so for example you take a shock tower you can build a shock tower out of sheet metals, bend them, weld them. Maybe the shock tower is some um, eight kilograms. A shock tower is something, you know, where the suspension is being connected and your car. I obviously knew there were an item. So you have two uh, in the front, you have two in the back. And now you can actually produce them out of aluminum in a one-shot concept, which obviously streamlines already the production process. And it has only half the weight. So you reduce the weight by making a car lighter. With the technology GF can provide into a car, a car compared to a conventional car can be up to two 200 grams lighter, which obviously helps a lot in terms of the sustainability. And e-cars by its nature, because of the battery are heavier, so you're going to have that one. But nevertheless, we also look into the propulsion technology itself. So for example, we are in battery housing. We are producing battery housings where you can host then all the theum cells in it, you know, so to make a lightweight concept or the cooling processes. So we have one company which looks into these cooling processes. And last but not least, we are also producing the e-engine housing. But let me also tell you one story where I'm always very passionate about it, you know. So our machining solutions divisions with its high precision machine tools is also pivotal when it comes to make e-mobility very energy efficient. 
A e-engine consists of a stator and of a rotor. A stator is some 300 uh, sheets piled on each other with an insulation in between, and the rotor is the same. And now the precision of the gap between the rotor and the stator needs to be super accurate, because as more accurate it is and as smaller the gap is, as more energy efficiency you have. You don't want to have a short circuit, because that would ultimately destroy a part of your e-engine. And now our machine tool solutions come into play. A stem to produce these sheets is approximately five meters, sometimes four meters, two meters in size. So you have eight processes to make one sheet. And that needs to be within the tolerance of one to two micron only. And our machine tools can produce the stems with an accuracy of one to two microns to produce ultimately this entire stamp being used to produce these sheets which are being piled up. And nowadays they need to be so accurate. And sustainability in terms of many aspects comes always along with ultra precision. When you think about fuel cells and other things and applications, and here our ultra precise machine tools are an enabler for the industry. If you look at a group like Volkswagen, which is currently turning its strategy on its head and going almost full electric, they've invested from the car manufacturing down to the battery production, down now to lithium extraction. They are major stakeholders in many projects we see around the world. That means that potentially they would be dealing with all the divisions of Georg Fischer at different stages of the process. So it's a vertical speaking to another vertical. You're perfectly right. You're absolutely perfectly right. We're going to talk exactly on all these various levels with our customers, which makes this cooperation so Super interesting. Being an enabler for sustainability, not only in a single business field, but in multiple business fields. You mentioned sustainability, which I do get is one of the key drivers of GF's strategy. I think last year, for the first time, you've reported your ESG and financial goals together. What's the reason behind that? This is uh, just a logical consequence that you're going to combine your financial and sustainability reporting. It's uh, also uh, partially, obviously, driven, you know, going forward, you know, by regulations. So you anyway going to have to do it. And since the business itself is so much intertwined, our vision is to be a sustainability and innovation leader. So therefore, the logical consequences that your business, which is intertwined with sustainability, is also being reported that way. But I would like to say something which is super important. You know, sustainability can only be sustainable if it is making commercial sense. If you think that sustainable solutions can be inferior in terms of the economical benefit being provided to your customers, I think that would be the wrong narrative. Our sustainable solutions are even more economically sound. And this is something, you know, where GF has to look into it. And since you're also being a part of piping systems, you know exactly that anything what we are newly developing needs to be with a sustainable benefit. We will not bring any product to the market which doesn't address the sustainability needs of our customers. And this is also valid for direct lithium extraction. It is about, you know, that we can actually have the flow control automized or done more efficiently. Or for example, we have recently now investigated into a new PVDF material, because as you may know, PVDF is a fluor polymer, you know, so it's not so easy in terms of recycling. But we have found solutions where we can actually produce a, a recycled PVDF system, which we can provide exactly in that kind of applications. We can even give second life to certain piping systems. But this is always important looking into it, and this is creating a 
a benefit for both sides. For GF on the one hand side, being able to use a regrant and the customer may benefiting from availability, but maybe also some advantages in terms of the properties when he can use the PVDF piping systems instead may going a downgrade to a PP system. You mentioned Vulcan and I think Vulcan's tagline is zero carbon lithium. Indeed, remember what Chris Moreno told us. Vulcan is a unique company. We're aiming to become the world's first integrated lithium chemicals company and renewable energy producer. And we're doing all this with net zero greenhouse emissions and not using any fossil fuels in our process. There are some companies like Vulcan which really take that at the heart of what they do. And some others do their best to do as sustainable as they can. But they're also looking at the spot price of lithium, thinking, I need to push it out of the door right now because that spot price might go down anytime soon and I better take the profit. That's a tricky question I'm asking you because I know you have a financial background. If you had to choose finance or sustainability, profitability or environmental impact? It is a, may, a bit a question now of the motivation, you know, which can be instilled by the profitability of such a product. What do I mean, you know, if the profit is gigantic, right, you might gonna lose your track on optimizing your process. But in general terms, if you insist on a very sustainable process, you normally it comes along with a very efficient production process. If you want to avoid, you know, energy in a process, you know, that comes along that you have less CO2 emitted in a process. So, and if you don't need energy, you have less costs. In my opinion, sustainability not necessarily is contradicting, you know, optimizing production process. Would I, if I would have uh, insanely high margins, dedicate a portion of that one to become more sustainable? Absolutely, I would. Absolutely, I would. I think, you know, this is my conviction. But as said, you know, it needs to be commercially sound. When I look at our own corporation, whenever we are able to reduce CO2 emissions, it comes along with a process optimization. It's less thermal heat required in a process. It's less material in a, in a, in a fitting itself. It's a much more efficient injection molding process. It comes always along, you know, with an optimization, which is also having a, an economical benefit. You should not actually decouple them. If you start to decouple, I think that will be the end because you, you will not be successful going forward, in my opinion. So it needs to be always intertwined. You have to focus on both things. But you're absolutely right. You know, if profits made, you know, for other industries are too huge, you might going to lose a little bit track on the sustainability. Therefore, I really like the slogan of Falcon Energy that they're going to go on the CO2 neutral theme, which in my opinion is super important because the battery pack is still quite a substantial portion of the CO2 emissions when you take an e-car. Yeah? It's actually in line with what you said about what's the driver to a successful lithium project, the way Vulcan goes to zero carbon is that they collocate with geothermal energy and geothermal heat. So when you combine the three together, then you get a better picture. And that's also what Standard Lithium was sharing with their uh, El Dorado project, where they collocate a carbon capture pilot, because at the same time you're extracting water from the ground, you have the opportunity when you're circulating that water back to capture some carbon and also potentially produce some chemicals, which then you use in your process. So you're, you're really closing that loop. You covered very, very thoroughly the economical and environmental aspect of sustainability. What about the people's aspect? So the human interaction, is it something you're looking into as GF as well? Being a sustainable company in terms of the ESG aspects, GF was already, you know, with its entire history, very much on the people, on the social aspects. So we have been one of the first, you know, launching a healthcare insurance. We have been one of the first introducing pensions systems, you know, for their people. We always looked into how to improve the working conditions for our people. I think people
people play the pivotal role of corporation. With all the assets, without having people, you know, you will not actually turn anything into good. And I think, therefore, the focus on people within GF has always been high. As you may have seen, we have ESG targets. We want to reduce accident rates. We look into that one. But we also want to have, let me say, equal treatment in various aspects. We want to have diversity, you know, not only in gender, but also in terms of ethics, but also in terms of age. I think we very much focus on that one. And since GF is doing that since many, many decades, it is also quite easy for us to promote it. And it becomes very genuine. So people really believe when we talk about sustainability. And yes, it, it is attractive. And I think nowadays we hear a lot from young employees that they have been appealed by the ESG or sustainability pathway GF is promoting and actually also showing. And, and I think, you know, since it is not only a makeup, it is really genuine. It is also so easy to talk about. I can relate. So, but I want to be objective as much as possible. So <laughs> I want to double down. To close that deep dive, you mentioned how you're four and a half year in that position. I have a crystal ball question. You can see the Andreas Müller of 2030 or whenever you want to put yourself in the future. What will tell you that that person had an impact? This is a tough question. No, I think, first of all, if we can actually improve and become a little bit better every day, in these next 10 years, I think, you know, this is already quite a big achievement. The current vision we have, if we're going to turn that into reality and if we're going to keep that path going forward, I think GF becomes a very attractive and a very interesting, as it is already today, industrial player. And I think, you know, this is something, you know, which I believe we should all work together on it, you know. And I think it should be also a place and being recognized where people like to work for. It should be an invitable place. If the people are going to say this is a cool corporation solving the need of humanity. I think that is something, you know, which is making us all proud, you know, going forward. And do you have a personal KPI? I want to see our corporation to be balanced over cycles so that we can deliver a decent return so that we have the freedom to invest into things, new opportunities, becoming an attractive solution provider to our customers. Well, thanks a lot for everything you shared in that deep dive. I am rounding these interviews with rapid fire questions. So if that's one for you, I would switch to that last section. It's time for the rapid fire questions. So the rule is I'm having short questions which aim for short answers. And usually I'm the one sidetracking. So don't worry. My first question is what is the thing you've learned the hard way? Yeah, sometimes uh, the, the hard way is really, you know, that you're going to have to have a signpost and then really going to make a bold decision at one point of time because you cannot leave it endlessly. And I think that fits very nicely on your culture. We want to be bold on new opportunities, but we also have to accept if new opportunities doesn't turn into success. Stop it. I think stop it is a very important statement. What we're all going to have to learn. It's much easier to keep things going on, but you have to stop it because then you have the resources to go into something new, which might going to turn out more successful. If you had to define your leadership style in three words. Collaborative, communicative, but also decision driven. Is there something in your job you're doing today, which you will for sure not be doing in 10 years? The question is whether I wish or not wish, you know, but I think, you know, if we could reduce a little bit the meetings, that wouldn't be the worst. No. <laughs> the top three on that microphone is reducing meetings, reducing travels, and reducing emails. So you're, you're good. I would never reduce travels, to be honest, Antoine, because I think that is one of the most inspiring parts of your life, right? If you can travel, if you can talk to people, I think it's not only, you know, being able to go on site, but it's also the exchange with all sorts of people across this world. I think I would not give up on that one. If I could actually free time of meetings to travel, I would travel. So I would never give up on traveling. I mentioned that I would be the one sidetracking. So let me open a sidetrack here. I've been following you on LinkedIn. You've been sharing some of these 
travel encounters you made with people working for GF. How important is that to you? We're in, in a brand new building, which is absolutely nice. You have a nice office, nice floor with lots of people working around you. You could be staying here and seeing nobody and probably you could be running that company that way. But you do it differently. You go out and you meet with people in the sales companies, listen to their stories. How important is that to you? As a first of all, your statement, I strongly disagree. And I got fired from my job. Yes, yes, again. You cannot run a company, you know, not being out in the markets. I think it is super important, you know, because normally what I'm going to do when I meet our people, first of all, you get such great stories back, right? The people feel inspired, but I also being inspired. So I think it's a win-win, right? Meeting people across the world and meeting with these people than our customers. I think that's even more inspirational. And so therefore, I don't think that you could run a corporation and not being in the markets, not being with the people. You're going to have to feel somehow the pulse of your organization. And by the way, you know, as I said, you know, this is one of the fun parts of my job. If you don't like that, you know, I like people and I like talking to people. And I think this is something, you know, which you might going to have to bring along, you know, otherwise it gets a little bit cumbersome running such a company. What is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? One of the trends, I think we all talk about non-revenue water. So we do know that we lose a lot of water, you know, on the way, you know, to consumption. This is one of the trends and that may going to lead ultimately that we're going to need to reclaim much more water, whether it's regionalized, whether it's even, you know, much more localized what we're doing today. We all have to understand conveying water is also some energy intense process, you know, so it's not coming for free that water flushes all over our households, our cities. And I think therefore, I believe, you know, reclaiming water May is one of the trends. We have seen it in San Francisco. We might going to see it much more across Europe, you know, with the water scarcity being faced just a year ago. I have the, the, the funny sidetrack and then the serious sidetrack. The funny sidetrack is that we are in Schaffhausen. Whenever I meet someone in Rotterdam, I tell to them, you know, you're reclaiming water because whatever we flush here in Schaffhausen is their drinking water resource down the Rhine River. Sometimes they don't appreciate <laughs> that, that transparency, but it's true. Now, the serious sidetrack is you mentioned non-revenue water and I mentioned that we are in a brand new building and in the entry of that building, you have the opportunity to put three products. You choose to highlight one product which is going after this non-revenue water. So I guess that's kind of the testimony of walking the talk. I think you're absolutely right. Then I got me hired again. I think uh, we are here addressing one of the most pressing needs of today's uh, populations. And I think therefore it was just one reason why we actually put that product up there. It's also a very innovative part. It's a product, you know, which has been co-developed or which is being based on the development of a startup company coming out from Oxford. It's called Oxford Flow. And I think GF has collaborated with them and we are now industrializing it because managing the pressure in urban infrastructures, you know, is one of the best means to avoid water loss. Last question for me, would you have someone to recommend me that I should definitely invite on that microphone as soon as possible? I met someone, you know, which I really like, you know, is a company called, a startup company called Open Versum. They have a concept developed, a very simple concept to purify water in remote areas. So giving me some 2 billion people the opportunity, you know, to have drinking water on site and might going to reduce, you know, these long uh, distance walks and therefore going to have, let me say, a better life. I was very inspired, you know, by that uh, young lady who's running together with obviously her colleagues, you know, this company. It's a biodegradable filter filtration systems. I, I really liked it, you know, I think it's a concept, you know, you mentioned before, you know, that we have also a clean water foundation where we're going to bring clean water to remote areas. And I think this is something 
something which, uh, it's a maybe a slight different topic, but it's a very good purpose, you know, what this young company is trying to do. And I was really very convinced about the simplicity of this solution. It is the simplicity of the solution, which makes it sustainable in this kind of remote areas. Well, it's a topic we've extensively covered on, the, on that microphone, these 2.2 billion people who still don't have access to water. And probably the solution will come from companies bringing innovation, simple, sturdy, proven to the field. So really excited to, to look into that. I don't know that specific company, but I, I'm going to look into it. So thanks for the recommendation. If people want to follow up with you after that conversation, where shall I redirect them the best? Very easy, you know, knock on my door. I'm going to go to my assistant, going to get an appointment, send me a mail, you know, and I will try my best, you know, to make time available. Andreas, thanks all for your time. I'm the testimony that you made some time available. So thanks for that and talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Antoine. Thanks. Well, thanks a lot to GFCO Andreas Müller for having taken the time to have us. I mean, you, my microphones and me in his office to wipe through the company's activities with special attention to lithium extraction and divorce. This time, it's really the end for today. Thank you for listening thus far in the episode. If you liked it, please share it with a colleague, a friend, your boss, your team or in my case with the boss of the boss of my boss and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.